Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, back again with another episode. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about, well, I'm going to be sharing with you um, a conversation that I had with a, a guy in here that was asking me about how I've been able to maintain my sanity throughout these 34 years that I've been in here. Uh, this guy, he has a seven years built on a 20-year sentence. Uh, he's had His sentence is 20 years at 100%, and he wants to know, you know, how I've been able to make it this time without losing my mind. So I answered this question the best I could, but normally when I answer that question, uh, everybody that's been listening to my show, I tell you that it's about my faith in the Most High and my family support and the people that love me, right? And that includes you, all of you out there that listen to my show, right? But this time, you know, when I answered the question that way, he was like, tell me what that means. You know, and it made me challenge myself and go on a deeper level to uh, do the best that I could to answer his question. And I'm going to be sharing that conversation with you. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Well, here we go, y'all. When I was in the conversation, uh, like I said before, he asked me this question and he challenged me to answer it on a deeper level. He wanted to know how I was able to uh, maintain my sanity and wanted me to get deeper into when I answered the question by saying that, you know, about my faith, my family and friends and the people that support me and love me, the people after like you that support and listen to my show. And... When I thought about what he said on a deeper level, as he was asking me, I thought about the attachments that I've made uh, throughout my incarceration. Uh, the attachments that I've made to the people out there, my family, my friends, the people that love me. Uh, the attachments that I've made in here. The attachments that I've made with people that work in facilities uh, like this, uh, those attachments have allowed me to maintain a sense of hope, a sense of focus, and accountability. When I was explaining this to him, he said, you can't do that in here. And I was like, you know, you're right. You're right. Prison is about uh, one of the things that the prison is about is not being able to make attachments. I bucked that trend, but he made a good point. You can't become attached to the people in here for several different reasons. You don't know them. Mostly everybody is not forthcoming and totally honest about the circumstances in which they're in prison. Examples, uh, if you meet somebody that happens to have a sex-related charge, nine times out of ten, they're not going to tell you the whole story about their conviction. If the conviction involves a child or a young adult, uh, they'll tell you that the person was 21 or grown 
and that they wanted it. Or they were their boyfriend and girlfriend. They were together like that. Uh, or they'll just make up a whole another story that's totally disassociated with the case and say they were in for drug charges and, uh, you know, they met somebody that was a junkie and they wanted some dope and they didn't give it to them so they yelled rape and they got arrested and found guilty for it. It's something totally disconnected from the case. Or you can run into somebody in here that um, testified against somebody. Or you can run in here, you can run into somebody in here that does not want to take accountability for the situation and they just lie about it. Make up all kinds of excuses as to why they didn't do it. They shouldn't have been found guilty, even though they did it and were guilty of sin. Those lies that they tell don't allow for a meaningful emotional connection with anybody. And it blocks you from actually getting to know the person that you're going to be around for the number of years that you're going to be here if you're at the same facility with them. And this same theme holds true when you're dealing with the people that work at the facility. I'm not saying that they lie. What I'm saying is uh, the, 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 the hindrance in that relationship becoming something, something that would allow you to trust and tell them something. Uh, like if you were feeling bad one day, you could go to them. The hindrance in that is uh, you might have situations where people that observe you see you doing it, and then they accuse you of being somebody that would tell the administration something. Or you could attempt to make this bond, this connection with this person that works here, and you get accused by the administration of trying to manipulate them, and if it's a woman trying to get have sex with them, if it's uh, any other situation trying to get them to bring you some contraband in. All of these different dynamics prevent you on either side of the issue, whether you're in blue or gray. And when I say blue or gray, I mean blue, somebody in prison, gray is somebody that works in prison. All of these hindrances prevent you from making a meaningful emotional connection with anybody. But I um, have been able to resist a lot of that. I've been able to talk to people honestly about my circumstances and I'm going to tell you, I, I can't tell you why that is. I just looked at it as like, what's the point in lying? What's the point in lying? And just tell them what it is. If they don't like me, they don't like me. And some people don't like me. Let's go on record saying that. I understand that. Some people think that I think that I'm better than them. That's not true. I don't think that. And it's because of the way I conduct myself. I've never allowed myself to be dictated to uh, in a way that caused me to not want to be, you know, cool with this person or that person. I never allowed the quote-unquote friendships that I would have with this group of guys over here to prevent me from having a friendship with this guy over here. I never allowed those things to manipulate and control me like that. I never allowed the relationships that I might have with some of the guys in here 
to prevent me from being cool with this particular officer or this particular person in the administration within boundaries. I understood all of that. I didn't put myself in situations because I didn't want to get hurt, but it didn't, it didn't hinder me from being able to kick it with somebody that didn't, didn't uh, see it the same way that I saw it. And as I look back on that, don't get me wrong, I didn't do it a lot. But I can, I, I, I've run into people that worked in the system that provided me hope in their words of encouragement. I've run into people that were in here with me in blue that provided me hope with words of encouragement. I've been fortunate enough to be able to receive that hope. And it's because I believe of my relationship with the Most High that I was open to that. Don't get me wrong. I haven't always done the right things in here. I haven't always said the right things to other people. I have my moments. But at the end of the day, in a place like this prison, where there is, for the most part, no hope, where it's full of just people that are at their wit's end and it's full of anger and hurt and bitterness and despair, I've been fortunate enough to find those opportunities to see further than what places like this would allow you to see. And as I was explaining this to him, it made me think about a conversation that I'd had with my sister a few days before this conversation. She was telling me that um, where she works at, they had uh, hired someone that used to work at the prison that no longer works at the prison. And she had asked this person why they quit working there. And she said, partly because of the way that they treat the people in here, us, the inmates. And she said she couldn't deal with that anymore. So my sister said, is it as bad in there as she says? Now keep in mind, my sister's been with me from day one during my incarceration. And I've shared with her on occasion, you know, many occasions, how bad it is emotionally in here. But after she heard this same sentiment being expressed from somebody that has worked here, she found herself asking me that question again as if I had never, ever told her how bad it is in here. And I answered, I said, look, sis, there is no hope in here. There's no hope in here. It is so bad in here that people find ways to just cope in the madness. I told her, I said, for as bad as it is and as bad as the drug problems is in prison, imagine how it would be in here if the people that are on these drugs didn't have the drugs. Imagine that. And see, that's something that people don't want to hear. But it doesn't have to be that way. And don't get me wrong, I'm not letting the administration off the hook, the people that run the prisons. But I've never heard anybody 
in the administration come in here and make an announcement to everybody and say, y'all act like animals today towards each other. You know, that's how prison is. They've never said that. We have taken on this identity of treating each other in a brutal way and associating with that is how prison should be uh, ourselves. It doesn't have to be that way. But when you are restricted in your opportunities to grow emotionally and, uh, and, and in other ways, you find yourself in a state of persistent and consistent despair. And when you're in that dark place, you do dark things. Simple as that. But for me, those times when I've been fortunate enough to be in conversations with somebody in blue or somebody in gray, and they gave me those nuggets of hope that have allowed me to flourish in the way that I have, I would recognize that and I would appreciate that. I remember when I first started uh, my business, my first business license, I was given advice and assistance in obtaining my first business license in 1994 from a person that worked at the prison. They told me everything that I needed to do. But it was different back then. They wanted me to see myself doing something different. And at that time, I was still facing the death penalty. Nobody knew what my future was going to be like. But he said, okay, if this is what you want to do, let me tell you what you need to do. And then if I can help you any further, let me know. He didn't break any rules in doing that. He was just being hopeful, hopeful to me. He was being helpful and hopeful to me. He did not break one rule. Everything that I did, I had to fill out an information request form and say, I got a question about this. And when he made his rounds, he would answer that. I asked him for permission to make a phone call about receiving an, uh, 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 my uh, business license to the county clerk's office. He ran it up the chain, got permission, and they, they brought me out of the cell, brought me to the office, let me make a phone call and obtain my business license. I didn't do anything against the rules. And that was back then. It's just a matter of finding the people that are willing to do that. The people that are not going to look at you and say, you don't deserve anything from me. Whether it's within the rules or, or not, I'm not helping you because you're scum. Now, that takes me back to the attachment part and the lack of not making those attachments, not making those connections, those emotional connections hinders you from growing. And I told him that he should do whatever he needed to do to maintain those emotional connections with his family, with uh, his significant other, Realizing and understanding that there are going to be ups and downs. And he locked in on what most people locked in on when it, came to his, when it came to his significant other. He locked in on the physical aspect of the relationship. And I told him, look, here's the thing. 
most of your life, the friends in your life, most of the people in your life are people that you're going to have an emotional relationship with, not a physical relationship with. So it can be done. You can't have a relationship with somebody without being physical. It just requires another level of thinking, another level of awareness and comprehension that you probably haven't experienced being aware of it anyway. Because if you have these relationships with your friends out there on the streets that you've never slept with, why can't you have the same thing with them now when you talk to them on the phone? Talk to them about their life. Get to know them in ways that you probably took it took for granted before and didn't even bother to ask them how was your day and mean it. Ask them what do they want to do with the rest of their life and mean it. Have meaningful conversations, conversations with depth and substance. Not conversations that are based on will I be able to get the panties. You see what I'm saying? Because that's where we come from a lot of times. And that train of thought, that mindset is what prevents you from being able to make those connections with people under these circumstances. Yeah, I get it. We're in prison. Sometimes, you know, people get aroused and they want to do these things. Well, what's preventing you from talking that talk? You might not be able to physically touch the person. But you can go there mentally. You can go there verbally. And that might be enough to sustain them. And if it's not, grow up, man. Grow up. And deal with that. And if you can't deal with that, then she might not be the one for you, man. The circumstances are what they are. The circumstances are what they are. You put yourself here. But to pout about it in a way that you say, I don't want nothing to do with nobody while I'm in the penitentiary, I'm going to do the penitentiary. Well, if you do that, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that you find yourself losing touch with everything that you have going on in your life, everybody that, that wants to be a part of your life, and you're going to become institutionalized in a way that where you won't be able to function out there. And then one day, they're going to come knocking on the door and say, pack your stuff, you're going home. And you're not going to want to go. Because you're not going to have any clue as to what's going on. And if you do go, you're going to find yourself back in here real quick. Because you don't understand what's going on out there. That is the biggest thing that people do in here. They lock themselves into this mindset and want to be more concerned about the floor and the cell that they live in being nice and shiny and clean, which it should be anyway. But they get so consumed with that, if their cellmate drops a piece of dirt on the floor, they want to kill them. As opposed to focusing on what's going on out there and the future that they may have out there, whether it's 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years away. They don't want to focus on that. It's too painful. But you put yourself here. And you should keep your eyes on that. I get what people say about trying to, you know, don't, don't be too hopeful in here. But I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. There's nothing wrong with being hopeful and dreaming. If you take yourself out of that mindset of where the, your life, the, the extensions of your life and the opportunities in your life only uh, surround drugs and, and other contraband and trying to get over on people, 
Imagine yourself doing things positive and productive from this side of the fence out there. And then tell me what you what would people think about you. Try to achieve something in a way to where, you know, they can't deny your success. They can't deny your contribution. See, that's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for a lot of people in here. And I understand there are a lot of reasons why most people can't do what I do. I get that. They don't have the same support that I do. They don't have the same drive that I do. But they can get it. Unless they have some kind of mental issue that prohibits them from being able to dream big and do things like that, they can get it. It's all about choice, man. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to choice. And you got to get to that point in your life to where, even on this side of the fence, to where you start to make the right choices. Choices that put other people before you. And that's what I think a lot of people miss out on. And that's what I was trying to get this young man. Well, he's older than me, actually. I take that back. I'm trying to get this, this brother to understand. You got to dream big. And I'm, I'm looking at his face while I was talking to him. And I could see the confusion and, and, and almost the anger in what I was saying. But I received what I saw on his face through a filter of grace and empathy for him. Because more than anything, he didn't understand what I was saying or how he could achieve it. Let's say that. He understood on one level what I was saying, but I don't think he really realized any avenue for him to achieve what I was saying. And that made him sad. But I told him, I said, if you get on that phone, and I know you do because I see you doing it. If you get on that phone and you got somebody out there that loves you, then you got a support system. If you got anything in your life that you've wanted to accomplish that uh, is within reason, if, you know, it's, it's, it's like you can dream in here of becoming a doctor or surgeon, but we can't go to school to learn that. So with all due respect, find something else. Write a book. Run a web-based business. Uh, any of the, I, I could name 10, 15 things that a person could do if they really thought about it. But we've limited ourselves so much to the things that you can achieve in here, which is selling drugs, selling phones, and any other type of contraband that we can't even imagine ourselves doing other things. But it's not true. We're not limited like that. We receive those limitations. We accept those limitations. We believe those limitations on ourselves. You can play within the rules and achieve great things from this side of the fence, y'all. Trust me in that. It's possible. It is very possible. Now, with that, I want to round this out by saying this. The answer to his question is simply this. When you talk to somebody here in blue, nurture that relationship in the right way. Don't look at that person as somebody that you can use and manipulate and get over on. 
look at that look at that person as somebody that you want to help. And in helping him, he'll help you. Ask him what is it that he wants to do with his life. Even before you figure out what you want to do with yours. Why is that important? Because you're putting somebody before yourself. You put somebody before yourself, I'm telling you, the universe is going to open up things for you. Because you're putting out that good karma. And when you talk to somebody in the administration, don't go to them in a way to where you're trying to manipulate them. Don't weaponize your own struggles. Going in there and saying, I'm having a bad day. My wife ain't answering the phone. Uh, my family, somebody in my family died. This is that. Don't weaponize that type of stuff and make them feel sorry for you and then say, can you bring me a piece of chicken? Or can you bring me some drugs? Or can you bring me a phone? Don't do that. Don't do that. If you're having a bad day and you're struggling, tell them about that and leave it at that. If you need some help with something, if you have an idea on your mind and you're dreaming about trying to do something, tell them about that and ask them, can they help you within the policy? I guarantee you that they might not do everything that you would want them to do, but they're going to appreciate that you didn't play them, that you didn't manipulate them. And if they can't help you, they might put you on somebody that can, man. You know? So, again, let me make it clear. My answer to him was that I nurture relationships. I don't stay detached from people. Even when sometimes I get hurt. I've been hurt before. I've been hurt before. But that hurt, that pain, it made me stronger. It made me lean more to my faith. Got to lean in, y'all. Got to lean all the way in. So I appreciate all of those things and those opportunities in my life where I did receive painful outcomes. I appreciate them. Because it helped me along the way to become the person that I am. And that's the advice that I gave him. And now I'm giving it to you by sharing this story. I hope that you get something out of this. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. And with that, this has been another episode of Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. And I say peace, y'all.